This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Hi, my name's Phil Bates, with you this afternoon through till four, but here until half past one to answer all of our gardening questions, and my goodness, don't we have plenty <laughs> this time of year. David Peterson from our sponsor, Walls End Community Nurseries. G'day, David. Hello, Phil, and good afternoon, everyone. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are both going to mention the rain yesterday. Is that oh, what we were going just, to do? <laughs> oh, I was expecting rain, but wow. I wasn't expecting that much rain. That was incredible. Although, I don't know how widespread it was, I must say that, because our where I was it came mostly from a thunderstorm mm. and sometimes that can be a bit patchy but uh 40 44 yes. millimeters uh between lunchtime and tea time yesterday mm. was yes uh, they're the, most of the figures that i've been hearing that that is just amazing that's a good watering i mean i was trying to actually get our lawn at work fertilized before it arrived but um we Did didn't quite get there. Didn't I didn't actually there. send them out in that pouring rain to feed, oh, but we got it done between. Kind, we got it done between the two lots. So oh, so there was a it bit, was a successful. Bit, yes. Oh, great. Yeah, we'd done a little bit of planting on Saturday, just a few little things, and mm. and uh, I'd I'd put a little bit of sort of um, uh, iron shellates oh, and yes. a few other things around. So uh, yeah, it was quite convenient for us too. So. so well done for all those people that actually did a lot of <laughs> fertilising yesterday before the rain, because yeah. that would have been very beneficial. But if you'd said, oh, I'll leave mowing the lawn until last thing on Sunday, maybe you missed out. Yes. Okay, the number to ring is 49216216, Gardening Talkback here on 2NURFM, 49216216. Oh, I was going to say one line free at the moment, but it started to blink just as I said that. Write the number down and give us a call sometime soon because um, I know everybody's got lots of questions to ask about things that they were doing over the weekend, things they're planning to do in the next week or so, and, uh, of course, getting a little bit close to um, the holiday season and Christmas and barbecues and garden parties, and everyone wants their place looking nice for Christmas. Oh, of course they? they do, yes. So um, David's here to answer those questions. As usual, I think, well, today, David, is the last day for people to get in the draw for yes. gardening walk back for October. And, uh, you had to think about that, didn't you, I Phil? did. I have to think about it every day, David. Every Monday. It always comes as a bit of a surprise. <laughs> what day is it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's the last Monday uh, for uh, October, so you need to get your um, a question in. And when you do ring up with your question, give your details to Diane on the phone, and you could uh, be in, still in the draw for uh, October, and we do that next Monday afternoon. We do, yes. And let everybody know after the 1 o'clock news next Monday whether or not David's going to come around to their place, have a look at their garden, and give them some very important advice right then and there on the spot. But if you'd like to take your chances on the phone, David's pretty good on the phone when it comes to answering questions and solving problems. The other thing, of course, everyone who rings up and is part of today's program with a question goes in the draw to uh, win these wonderful things that you brought along, David. And I noticed today is a two-plastic bag day. You've it got is, a lot of yes. stuff there to give a, away. Have, one of those bags is quite heavy because it contains a reasonably good-sized bag. But anyway, let's start with the plant, and it belongs once again to the Simply Beautiful collection of plants. It's one of the verbenas. Now, for those people that don't know what a verbena is, it's more of a ground cover. Uh, it covers quite a large area. It can cover up to 
to about a metre square. Most of these verbenas, these are the perennial ones, of course, which means that these are the ones that continue to flower on for quite a number of years. They're not just an annual that dies after the season's finished. This one that I've got in here today is simply called dark purple, and it is just that. It's a beautiful dark purple flower. Lots and lots of flowers. As I said, it covers an area. Good sunny spot for a lot of these verbenas. They don't like being put in shade. They like as much sun as possible because that will help promote the flowers. So that's the plant I'm giving away. Now, I do have a bag of other goodies, and yes, that does consist of a bag of the fruit and flower fertiliser. That's why it's a fairly large bag. Um, so this can be just put on all your fruit trees, your flowering gardens, anything at all, basically. I also have a container of the tomato plant food. This is the soluble one, so for those people that have got lots of tomatoes in at the moment, which I'm sure people do, uh, this is the one you dilute down and water over your tomato plant once every couple of weeks. As well as that, I do have some other sachets thrown in that bag as well. Right. Well, that's a magnificent prize for somebody yeah. to pick up. Have to be listening at the end you of do. the show, which is when David chooses the lucky recipient. So you need to be listening right at the end of the show at half past one. Speaking of tomatoes, cautiously optimistic about my tomato, David. Mm -hmm. I've, I've got a couple of tomatoes, lots of flowers, lots of little tomatoes coming in. Excellent. So, so um, yep, I'll have to start looking out for fruit fly fairly shortly, I think. Yes, so, so it's a larger tomato? Uh, yeah, it's, um, well, you'd probably know better than me, patio prize. Oh, yes, yes. Um, well, it is a, a larger tomato. Of course, mm. remembering, if you ever grow the sweet, sweet bites, which are the cherry tomatoes mm. or the grape tomatoes, they're not susceptible to fruit fly, as like the bigger do, ones Do they are. have a thicker skin or I something? I don't know what it is. I think oh. it's because they don't want to pick on these little tomatoes. They just <laughs> like to go to something for these really big um, tomatoes. Yeah, so right. it's really hard to mm. say. But no, you don't get fruit fly in the smaller tomatoes. Right, Okay. And I imagine there will be a few questions about fruit fly today. Yes. You've got your recipe. I do have my recipe there, very handy, yes. Okay, rightio then. Okay, well, um, are we ready to go? I am. Okay, yes. 18 minutes past 12. And uh, first caller today is Max from Barnsley. Hello, Max. Hello, David. Um, I was listening to you last week and I was in the car and lost it when you were on about mangoes mm -hmm. and the mango with uh, copper oxychloride oh, okay. All and right. white oil. Uh, no, I, I may have briefly mentioned white oil, probably not using white oil on your mango tree. Oh, right. So that probably what that... It's why we suggest copper oxychloride is because when the mango is in flower, you need to spray the flowers with a fungicide. So that consists... consists consist of copper oxychloride or mancozeb that you can spray your tree with. Now this is crucial that it is done in flowering stage. I've heard people say that they don't need to spray their mangoes but sure enough they will get a fungal disease and it turns the flowers black and then of course they all fall off and you don't get any crop of mangoes. So it is uh, very, very important that you do spray your mango flowers with either one of these fungicides. Only while they're in flower, that's the only time you need to do it. We may, oh, have, briefly, okay. we may have briefly just mentioned that not to use the white oil. It was one of those products that I'm sort of getting people to get off their shelves and replace it with pest oil, if I can remember rightly, the conversation last week. Right, okay. Last year I was talking to you about my mango tree, and it was absolutely loaded with mangoes. But I never got one to eat. Oh, okay. Uh, they split, and I had sprayed them with mancozeb uh, mm. and uh, labated. Yes. And it was, they were hopeless. They just, uh, I think you said it 
very probably was the weather that we had last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that this year they're, they're just in bud at the moment, yes. but buds haven't opened. Well, look, certainly this year is starting off to be a good season as far as fruit trees goes because we're getting good constant rain. And, of course, as long as the ground is kept moist while this fruit is being produced, yeah. you shouldn't yeah. have any problems at all. So, Well, I've got other fruit trees too, and I'll, I do them the same. Mm-hmm. But the other question I want to bother you with was, I'm getting die back in the roses. Mm-hmm. Now, what will I okay. do about oxy, copper oxychloride? Now, you can actually use something a little different there. I mean, certainly with roses that have dieback, make sure you try and cut the dieback out. But when you do so, make sure you always go below where the dieback actually yeah. finishes oh, on yes, the stem. Okay, yeah. And then it's probably very wise to just spray your roses just with a complete rose spray because that does have a fungicide in it. All right. But otherwise, if you wanted to use something a little different, you can go on to triferine. Now, triferine is a very good yeah. one for roses because it does combat black spot. And, of course, it will seal those cuts once you've made them anyway. Just make sure, Max, when you do cut your roses, that you cut it on a slant so that any yeah. moisture that gets onto that stem does roll off as well. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for that. No, thanks for your call, Max. Bye-bye. Thank you, Max. To Diane at Spears Point. How, David? Hello, Diane. Oh, hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. I've got a question about some camellias. We've got a a large row of hedged camellias uh, down one side of our driveway, Mm -hmm. and they have, for the last probably month, um, started showing some sort of a fungicidal sort of um, fat leaf syndrome coming oh, yes. up on them. And the leaf, the back of the leaf then sort of peels off and mm. a white powdery yes. substance is okay. on them. Well, look, this is uh, a most unusual thing. It's, um, it's quite weird, actually, to see it happening. We mostly just used to get this on azaleas and it just is a thickening of the stems that get on it. But it seems to be now spreading to the camellias. It is sort of a little bit of a viral thing. Now, the only treatment, unfortunately, for that is to cut it out. You cannot spray to combat it. So just go over the camellias and just cut it off. Pop that in a plastic bag and dispose of it straight away. And it may not shoot back, but obviously you seem to be getting it every year. But as I said, the only procedure is to cut it off and just dispose of it. And then it'll just go back into normal growth once again. Yes, it's quite odd. It, mm, it seems it? to be um, worse after rain, like after oh, okay. the rain yesterday. It seems, I don't know whether the, the obviously the water gets into the system, the plant, and, and it puffs up like really thick succulent oh, yes, leaves. yes. So there's nothing you can spray? Nothing you can spray to combat it. It's just a matter of cutting it out. And as I said, once it regrows, it will come back to normal growth anyway. Okay, all right. Um, do you have time for a second question, Certainly. David? Um, I'm considering planting a row of standard roses along the front of our property mm-hmm. in a garden bed. And the, that faces to the um, east. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm concerned about, uh, on one side in particular, the southeast corner, how much sun that that would get and, and where the roses would be successful. And is there a prescribed amount of sunlight that roses would 
require to flourish. There is. And, I mean, normally with roses, at least a good half a day sun is, um, is a must for roses because under that you'll find that you'll get all sorts of pests and diseases because they'll basically be put under stress and that's, of mm. course, what always attracts all of these diseases to the, um, to the plant. So as long as this area gets a good half a day sun, preferably afternoon sun, that mm. would be a good position for them. Okay. All right. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks very much, David. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, Diane. Lines are free at the moment if you'd like to give us a call on 49216216 and uh, David can answer that those questions for you. Caroline from Medford is on the line now, David. Hello, Caroline. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. David, I was thinking of getting um, some magnolia trees. Yes. And I was just wondering, uh, are they better off like in the sun or the shade or how's the best? Okay. You know, what to put on them to make them grow? All right. And well, what type of the best ones to get? Certainly. We, well, we better pinpoint it down, first of all, to the variety that you're familiar with that you feel you want to grow because there are quite a few of them. So are they the ones that, that actually flower in the spring and the big cup-shaped flowers and then yes, get... that's the ones that okay. I'm asking, but I don't so know what they're... They're the deciduous ones, so they are yeah. quite good. They need a good sunny position in the garden uh, and a fairly open position. Now, the only thing yeah. is with these particular magnolias that um, when they're fairly exposed, they sometimes we get our August winds, which, of course, is the time when these particular plants do flower, and so, therefore, sometimes it, the wind will just blow all the flowers off there's nothing we can do about that we just have to take a gamble and plant them because they do need as much sun as possible well-drained soil they don't like any clay ground they would prefer a nice well-drained um, you know clay free soil preferably as well but if you've got the room for them look certainly they are spectacular remembering that they do lose their leaves for the winter time so they are bare during the winter without anything at all Oh, okay. When's the best time to plant them? Any time or? Well, normally most people plant those when they see them out in flower. Of course, they have finished now and they've gone into foliage, but certainly they still are available in garden centres, uh, as long as you're happy just to look at the label to select the variety that you want. But they are still available. But normally people plant those during winter, just before they actually flower for the uh, late oh, winter, okay. early spring period. Okay. Thank you very much, David. My pleasure. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Caroline. Um, to Cardiff next, and uh, Lorraine is on the line, David. Hello, Lorraine. Hi, David. How are you good, today? thank you. I feel... Hello, hello, Lorraine. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm good. Just trying to dig my pen out from underneath the mixing desk here. So, yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds like my desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, David, the um, middle terrace next to the driveway where there's the radicans and the um, tricoloured Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, people are probably wondering yes. why, why you say because I've actually been to Lorraine's oh, garden, right, so I right. know what she's okay. referring to. That all becomes clear now. Yes. Oh, no. no. <laughs> anyway, um, the radicans are doing very well, mm-hmm. um, and I've been trimming the um, jasmine back, mm-hmm. but uh, the jasmine is far stronger in growth than the radicans. Oh, yes, yes. Far stronger, and I do like the way they're coming down the rock wall, and the colours sort of go in with the rock wall very nicely. Mm-hmm. Is it too late in the season to take those radicans out and put them in the top terrace in those couple of gaps I've got up there that I said all along I was going to put a few more up there? So, how long have the radicans been in this middle terrace? Oh. When I took those um, camellias out, I put them in. Mm. Um, 
Um, so that would only be a couple of years. But yeah, about yes. three years. Okay, well, certainly you can move them. What I would suggest that you do is uh, probably try and get in and do that before it does get very, very hot. Mm. You may just have to give the gardenia radigans a little bit of a trim back to compensate mm. for what you damage in the root system. Mm. Uh, just because they're about, well, you know... Foot yeah, that's right. So down. you'll just trim those back because you will damage some of the root system yeah. by digging them up. Prepare your ground, of course, with a nice good compost. Uh, yeah. And then once you've planted them in, just water them in with some sea salt and do that a couple of times in 14-day intervals. And, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say they, they may go a little bit yellow, but I yeah. wouldn't worry too much no, about no, that. No. Uh, but they'll certainly reshoot away again for you. Yeah. Should I get some... Um in the potting mix? No, more so just by uh, composting bags and mix that down into the soil because that will boost the existing soil up and it'll make it ready for the gardenias to go in. Okay, thank you, David. My pleasure, Lorraine. Bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye, Lorraine. Thanks for calling and uh, ring us again soon. Uh, David from Stockton is on the line now, David. Hello, David. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Two questions. Uh, first of all, is there any way of getting Kikuyu out of buffalo? Well, Unfortunately, more. the only way of doing that is by sitting down and digging it out mm. uh, because all grasses belong to basically the same variety, so you can't spray and get one out of um, another lawn. The only other way you can do it, David, is if you're very, very careful, you can just paint some Zero Roundup or glyphosate just on the blades of the grass you're wanting to clear out of the buffalo, uh, but doing that very carefully because remembering whenever you get any of those uh, chemicals on anything at all, it will kill them. So you certainly you don't have to cover the entire part of the kaiku you just need to get a brush it on a on a bit of the um, blade of the grass and that way it goes in through the the actual blade and goes down into that particular section of the um of the grass okay i thought you were going to say that unfortunately but that's... <laughs> <laughs> the second the second question is um how do you get rid of slugs in S- buffalo yes when you have a pet dog well, that's a very good question because, I mean, there, once upon a time there was a spray that you could spray against slugs and snails, but they have taken that back off the market again. Um, so it's really difficult if you've got dogs because, I mean, even though there are uh, products on the market that have deterrents in it, even if they still eat that particular snail bait, it will make them sick. So even as I said, even though it's got a deterrent in it, it will keep most dogs and cats away, but certainly not large dogs. Um, but, yeah, it is a little bit of a difficult problem, unfortunately, and I can't um, sort of solve that one for you. Thought you might say that too. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Bye bye now. Thank you, David. Um, I think you might have confirmed all of David's worst fears there, mm. there David. Uh, just speaking of, of slugs very briefly, is it, is it a bad year for slugs? Because I seem to have a lot more around my place than well, I normally have. Isn't that funny? Because I had a lady in the garden centre yesterday and she said, is it a bad year for snails? Because she's literally right. got hundreds of snails. Yeah. And, of course, I suggested the snail lady to her. I'll call her the snail lady that breeds the snails. Yes, for, for human consumption. Yes, that's right. Yes. So mm. anyone that's got large amounts of snails, 
just keep that in mind because mm. we do have a lady that lives in the Hunter Valley that actually does breeds the escargots from our normal household snails. Mm. Uh, so, yes, but no, not really. I mean, I just think it's because it's the beginning of the season. Mm. You know, mm. it's breeding time, and that's probably why we have an influx of those yes. sorts of things early in the season. And maybe just a little bit wetter than, yeah, than it has that's been right. in summer. Well, as I said earlier, you know, we're yeah. getting great rain for this time of the year, particularly mm. spring that's keeping everything nice and fresh and uh, lush, so hopefully it keeps up throughout the season. Okay, snail lady wouldn't be interested in slugs. Not in slugs, no. no okay, no. just thought I'd give that a try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, David, Jim from Thornton's been waiting on the line. Hello, Jim. Hello, Dave. Uh, my question is to you, and I have a persimmon tree, and it made a lot of flowers, mm-hmm. but no fruit. Mm-hmm. I can understand that I come doesn't bear any fruit. All right. Well, there may be a couple of things that may be a problem problem there, Jim. First of all, like mangoes, with uh, with anything that fruits, sometimes they get a fungal disease in the flowers, and this causes all the flowers to just shrivel up and fall off. So it is always a very, very good idea when things like fruit trees are in flower, just to give them a spray with a product, uh, or, or more or less a fungicide spray, like some mancozeb, or copper oxychloride, and this stops that from happening. But secondly to that, sometimes the soil where the persimmons is growing may be lacking in a particular element, and that may be potash, and potash can actually be added when you actually put some fertiliser around the tree during the winter months ready for that spring flowering. So when you put your citrus fertiliser around your persimmons tree, because that entails all fruiting things, you go buy yourself a bag of potash as well, and that actually is a flower and fruit producer. So it's actually going to help your persimmons uh, flower better and, of course, give you much better fruit. Of course, now that that has flowered and, of course, the flowers are gone, you're not going to get a second bout of flowers, unfortunately. You may get a few, but to only a few. So this is going to be preparation that you're going to have to do ready for next year's crop as well now. Okay. All uh, right. Another clause that come to my mind, yes. as I was looked at the tree and the flowers, I wonder if they've got a male and female in the, in the, in the flower or just uh, what? Not at all. No, there, there wouldn't be male and female flowers. It would all be in the one flower, so that wouldn't be a problem at all. They should all look the same because that has the male and the female part in the flower itself. So there won't be separate flowers for each. Okay. All right. But I have to wait another year. Unfortunately, yes, which is the most disappointing thing about it, that you've got to wait a whole 12 months again oh. for it to flower. I'm 99 this year. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll reach next year's crop. <laughs> Have a good day. Thank you, Jim. Bye-bye now. Bye. Yes, thank you, Jim. Something to look forward to. Yes. Keep, keep you, um, keep keep you focused. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, next up, it's Ray from Bonnells Bay. Hello, Ray. Good morning. Oh, no, it's good afternoon. It is, yes. Got a problem with my roses. Somebody told me that you should never put new roses where old roses have been. Is there any reason why you would, do you think that you were told that? Uh, none, none whatsoever. It's just mm. that my roses that I've planted this year aren't doing too good. Okay. Well, normally in the case that you're wanting to plant a new rose in an old spot, certainly the thing to do is just to uh, work on the ground to boost it up, get it ready for the new rose just by adding some compost. 
You'll need to add a little bit of garden lime to sweeten the soil. And, of course, then you'll need to add a fertiliser to the area as well. And once you've added all those things, I see no reason why you can't plant a new rose in an old spot. It's just that I I put uh, blood and bone, the cow manure and uh, chicken manure in. I turned the soil over for a couple of weeks. Mm. But I also planted pansies around the border and some primula in the middle. Yes, would they have taken any of the goodness out of the soil? Or well, they shouldn't have. The I mean, they shouldn't have because when you plant annuals, they only take up a very small portion of the ground. And I mean, certainly if you're liquid fertilising, that's going to normally help the rose as well. So, right. Well, can I transplant these roses that I've planted? Because they're still only very small mm. and they were good good roses because they had about three canes on each of them, there's about five of them. Look, I see no reason why you can't move it, just try and move it as carefully as you possibly can, trying to get as much soil around the root system as you can as well. Yeah, well, I don't very much if the root system would be very big because they're not very big at all. Yes, so once you've transferred that ray to the new position, just make sure you water it in well and then just have some sea salt on hand and just water some sea salt around it and do that three times at 14-day intervals and that basically stimulates stimulates the roots to grow. Have you got any fresh growth on the roses at all? There's a little bit, but it's not as as great as it normally should be. That's what was concerned. Yes. I think possibly also when you do move them, you may just have to snip a little bit off the top growth as well because that'll compensate for what you damage in the root system because the young growth will only curl over and and die off perhaps anyway. Fair enough. All right. Okay. Thanks very much for that. You're welcome, Ray. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you, Ray. And um, where do we go next? Warners Bay. And we say hello now to Peter. Hello, Peter. Hello, David. Um, lovely day. It is a beautiful day to be working outside. Look, I've got a question for you. Yes. I've got, I planted some spring onions and they all came up, mm-hmm. as, with the, as with my garlic chives. But I've got this little black beetle on it that absolutely devastated a whole lot of them. So is it a hard-shelled beetle or it's quite soft? Oh, it's about the size of a match head. Right. Yeah, it's really tiny. Okay. So, um, and are they in clusters on the tops of the of, of the uh, spring onions? Yeah, they're, they're on the on the on the um, leaf itself. Okay. You know? Because I mean, why I'm just getting towards soft and hard is because I mean, normally when you have a, a lot of little black insects on the tops of spring onions, perhaps it's usually aphids, where the hard shell there'd only be one or two things that are, that are there. So you must have quite a lot of black on the tops of these new growths? Uh, right up and down the stem. Yes. Okay, well that would be aphids, so you just need basically a good general insecticide, something that's a little bit on the safe side, so you can use a pyrethrin base or something else that's just called success, uh, which will get rid of these aphids. It happens quite a lot to onions, unfortunately, and it's quite weird really because onions have this odour which keeps most insects away so it's unusual that um, it attracts the aphids to them but certainly if you just give them a spray just with a, a general insecticide that should get rid of those aphids for you oh good thanks david you're welcome thank you okay bye bye now bye thank you peter and um it's good to know that um 
you can take care of his problem just so yes. so succinctly. But isn't it good. isn't strange? Yeah. Because as I mm. said, you know, we we sometimes plant onions with other things to keep insects away. Yeah, because of that strong yes, but, odor. But normally, I've I, even on mature onions and say shallots and things like that. Mm. I've seen right on the very tops, it's just black with aphids. Yeah. So it's really quite weird that it doesn't affect mm. the aphids they that smell and that horrible. Must taste. have a taste so, for onions. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Marilyn from Madawi's on the line next. Marilyn, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, David. Uh, a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been waiting for the fruit fly recipe, so. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have it in front of me here, so I'll go through that now, and then I'll probably do it once again after the one o'clock oh, news. Fabulous. Well, I'll get it after the one o'clock news. Okay. All right. Yep. Um, the apple tree. The uh, some of the leaves are curling in. Um, is there any problem there? Is this the young foliage or the more mature? Uh, the young foliage. Yeah, the young foliage, sometimes that's a natural defence mechanism, particularly if there's been any sprays, sprays sprayed around the area. Oh, sometimes yeah. the leaves will just curl up in shock uh, because it may have been a little bit too strong. So perhaps you may or your neighbour may have been spraying something, perhaps that it's just drifted on. I don't think I'd worry too much about that, just so long as you've kept the um, moisture up to the, around the roots system because that's the only other reason that the leaf would curl is if the soil constantly is drying out it would just cause the leaves to just curl slightly as well. Yeah okay it's got plenty of water around it. Okay. Yeah and my daughter's carrots are all curly which are really cute but she doesn't like them like that. So now this this is very common for carrots I mean I I never really struck many people that grow carrots that are really nice and long and slender now the trick to to growing good carrots is that they don't like shallow ground of course the they often actually do better in hilled ground so you're creating more depth for them and also they don't like when they're starting to grow they don't like to hit little pebbles and things now I'm not going to suggest to anybody to sift the entire garden of all these little pebbles because it's virtually impossible but it's just a risk unfortunately you've got to take they only need to hit a, a little pebble or something like that and this causes the um, the plant to just become all sorts of different shapes i mean they're still edible of course yes the uh, kids love them yes of course they do and because they can sort of imagine them being various shapes and animals and goodness knows what but uh, yeah that's the only thing they must have fairly deep soil for them to grow down properly otherwise any sort of pebbles or even grains of um, pebbles or whatever will cause them to just um, fork out and do all sorts of strange things. Okay, so if she heals the ground... Yeah, that's a good, a good start, yes. Yeah. And for the black spot on the roses, you mentioned a product this, this morning, uh, the uh, triforine. Triforine, yes. Um, yeah, okay, well, I've got that one. All right, then. Okay, thanks, David. Thanks, Marilyn. And okay. I'll mention the fruit fly recipe after the one o'clock oh. news. <laughs> okay, thanks, Thank David. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Marilyn, and good luck to your daughter in the search for the, the perfectly grown carrot. <laughs> uh, 13 minutes to one, and uh, from the 2NURFM community service file for our sponsor, Lexi's on the Beach, all-weather beachside dining off Mitchell Street in Stockton. 
The National Seniors Association would like you to know that the Lake Macquarie regular meeting will be held at 10am on Thursday the 3rd of November at the Charlestown Youth Community Centre. That's at 47 Pearson Street in Charlestown. The guest speaker will be talking about the 1955 Maitland floods. Fascinating subject. If you'd like more information, phone 4954 4990. 4954 4990. To NURFM, in touch with our community. Okay, back to the calls with the time at nine minutes to one. Um, it's uh, Lynn from Western on the line. Hello, Lynn. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. It's good. I have a couple of questions, if you wouldn't mind. Certainly. We have two blueberries. I bought one from you, and I bought another one from a nursery. It's much higher, much taller. Um, they've produced lots of flowers and lots of leaves, but there are no sign of fruit. Is there anything I should do to bring them on? Patience. Okay, I haven't got any of that. <laughs> <laughs> they will produce, certainly with um, blueberries, once they start flowering, they will produce the fruit. Uh, they just take a little bit of time, but that's a good sign that you've got lots and lots of flowers because that's exactly how they should be. Once they start cropping, they do give a considerable amount of fruit on the one plant. So mm. just keep the uh, liquid fertiliser up to them. Uh, certainly the potash liquid fertiliser that, of course, you can dilute down and water around them. That's, of course, just pushing that potash into them, which is the fruit producer. Um, so certainly that's a good one to start doing, particularly when you've got all those flowers on your plants. Oh, terrific. I'll do that. The second question, I have a Brazilian walking iris. Yes. I've never ever seen them before, and it's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was told that I could grow them from where the flowers have died. Is yes, that true? that's right. And that's okay. why they're called the walking iris because you can actually take these little ones off mm-hmm. and plant them in a pot and there's a new plant for you. Oh, fabulous. So they don't actually grow by a, cor- a corm like... No, no, no. Iris. You just... Um, where When they send out that long streamer thing and then you've got the little plant on the end of it, mm-hmm. that's another new little plant that you can just need to snip off and just yep. plant it in some potting mixture and away it goes again. Oh, Fantastic. That's great. Thank you very right. very much. You're welcome. Thanks, David. Okay, Bye-bye. bye. Thank you very much, Lynn. Yeah, I was wondering there about a walking iris. Haven't you Re- seen the Brazilian or otherwise. No, strolling around the streets, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I well, don't, no. strangely no. enough, look, it, don't laugh because it, it will do that because it <laughs> um, it's quite a weird plant because when you've got a main plant of it, it looks like just like a normal iris. Mm, it's got the yeah. strap leaves, and then it will send out. That's why I mentioned streamer. It will send out this really long streamer, and oh, it right. could be a meter or so in length, oh, particularly if you've got it in a hanging basket. Yeah. And then a little plant will form on the end of it, yeah. but it also comes out in a little blue and white flower from memory just like a normal iris like the deities that you see in the middle of the roads yeah, yeah, so yeah. it has a little flower on the end of it and that forms a new plant right do, do you remember the old ribbon grass i was just thinking the yes. very same well, thing well it's like yeah. that it forms yeah, a new right. plant and you can just snip that off yeah. plant it and there's another new plant but it's quite an attractive plant right so oh. things you find out on That's this program right. david it's amazing um louise from edgeworth is on the line right. now hello louise hello david how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. That's good. Um, I'll just ask your own question, if I may. I yes. have a gardenia that's about four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably about a metre high and lovely, well, it has been till about the last three weeks, a lovely, healthy plant. Hasn't flowered very much, but all the leaves are going yellow. I know. Isn't it horrible? 
Because I, <laughs> here's me raving about my wonderful gardenias at home. And of course, yesterday, when, no, yesterday, or the day before when I was off, I went to water it and my gardenia has gone all yellow as well. Now, this is quite normal for this time of the year because it's, um, it's getting all its new foliage for the season. And quite often this time of the year, it's all budding up. So consequently, all the other older leaves tend to go yellow and fall off to make way for all these, this new growth and the flowers that should be starting to appear any time. Now the other little thing too is if you don't keep the water up to it, it will even become more yellow like mine has because mine is a fairly, fairly large one in, and it's very restricted in this pot. So if I don't keep the water up to it, it will even go more yellow. So I was a little mm. bit annoyed when I saw this the other day. <laughs> so uh, Mine's in a garden bed. Okay. Yep. And it's got a, a set-in water system, so I yes. just turn the tap on and leave yes. it for half an hour. Well, that's good. Off. I would say it's just due to because the fact that it's coming into bloom and buds and it's wanting to put on all its new growth and consequently all the old growth tends to fall off. Now, what I would suggest for you to do, Louise, is just um, if you've got any liquid fertiliser, just mix that up and water that over it every couple of weeks and that will certainly um, push it into growth a little bit quicker. Oh, thank you very much. All right. Okay, thank you, David. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you, Louise. Uh, Jill from Glendale on the line now. Hello, Jill. Oh, hello, Dave and Phil. Look, I have a rose question for you. Now, amongst my roses, I've got two roses that they persistently throw up shoots from below the graft union. Mm -hmm. Now, every year... I chop these shoots out as soon as I see them coming and I chop them out as close to the junction as I can, but they persist in shooting up again. Is there anything else apart from chopping them back that I can do? Unfortunately not, because that's the only solution to uh, these shoots that come from below the graph is to take them right back to the main stem, so you're cutting them flush virtually with the stem. But no, unfortunately, I don't have any other solution of what you could do to prevent that from happening. So tell me, the, the, the rose itself, is it growing fairly healthy for you? They're very healthy. Healthy. Mm. One of them, which is the most persistent one, it's been doing it for maybe five or seven years. Oh, okay. It's um, Chicago Peace. Oh, yes. And it's got beautiful blooms. And, yes. Um, and it's a very healthy rose. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what the other one is, but it's only started doing it uh, this year and last mm. year, I think, yes. Yes, see, that's unusual because normally roses will do this if, if they're under a little bit of stress and you're not getting the growth of the, the main part of the rose. But, I mean, if yours are healthy, it's really weird that you're getting this. But, as I said, there's no other solution except, as you've been doing, just cutting it off. Okay, well, thank you very much. <laughs> You've just got to be probably a little more persistent in cutting it because otherwise, as you know, if you continue to let it grow, it will just take over the main rose and you can't afford to do that. Yes, and, the, and they, the, the shoots never ever have any flowers. That's right, hard. yes, yes. No, mm. and they do that. They grow very, very wildly. Mm. So, okay, then All right. persist. Okay, thanks, Jill. Bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you, Jill. And uh, we've got the news coming up in uh, a couple of minutes, but that gives us two minutes to solve whatever problem Nolene from Raymond Terrace has. David? Hello, Nolene. Hello, David. Long time since I've spoken to you. Yes. Actually, I'm ringing for my brother-in-law. Yes. Uh, He's got a beautiful lemon tree in the backyard, and for some reason this year, 
he's got these red bugs and they're eating all the flowers. Yes, they are really early this year. They're simply called stink bugs or shield yes, bugs. I thought that's what they'd be. Lots and lots of people have been bringing those into work for me to have a look at. I know exactly what they are. I don't even want to look at them <laughs> because, I mean, they... They, of course, cause so much problem. They actually draw a lot of energy out of the plants. Um, and you've got, if you irritate them, yes, be very, very wary because they will spit at you and that is acid which will sting your eyes very, very badly. Smell. Yes, they smell. That's the, that's the spit that they spit at yes. you, yes. And what is the best thing to okay. use on it? Well, you need to use a product called Conquer or Confidor. Conquer. Yes, they're the I two. I thought that. I said to him, I think Confidor. Yes. So just continue to spray them throughout the season with uh, either one of those two products and it should clear the problem for you. Uh, what's the other one? Conquer or Confidor. Uh, 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 Conquer is just C-O-N-Q-U-E-R. Uh, yeah, yes. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the other one's Confidor. Confidor, yes. yes. All right. Yeah, thanks, David. My pleasure. Nice to okay. talk to you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Nolene. I was just thinking, David, what a, a pleasure it must be to have a job where people bring you stink bugs to look at it. <laughs> it's a fascinating job you have. Well, look, I tell you what, it's one of the easiest ways to distinguish bugs, to bring them in as a sample, rather than sometimes trying to describe them. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, David, um, we've been promising, well, you've been promising people the recipe yes. for the um, fruit, fruit fly. Fruit fly, yep. yes. Okay. But before we go to that, I just okay. have uh, one announcement to make, and this is uh, for this month. It's the 19th and 20th of November from the Hunter District Bromeliad Society. They're having their annual show, their annual flower show. Now, oh, this yeah. is a great event. As you know, I'm, I'm really into bromeliads. You're, you're bromeliads so, big time. Yes. Yeah. So this is their annual show where they'll have lots and lots and lots of plants uh, for sale. It's free admission, and it's actually being held at Henderson Park uh, Hall, which is 38 Lockyer Street, Adamstown. As I said, that's uh, the 19th and the 20th, uh, from 9 to 5 on Saturday and from 9 to 3 on the Sunday. I will keep announcing this right mm. through to that date. So there's only a couple of weeks left. It's a big, big event, yes. Oh, yeah. And they look gorgeous, you know. Oh, hall, they're great. All yes. full of familiar. Yes. Wow. Now, yes, I do have the fruit fly recipe, <laughs> uh, which, of course, everyone's it's wanting at the moment. Bit of a pun, but we waited, we're waiting with bated <laughs> breath. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Uh, so here it is. First of all, you start with a two-litre Coke bottle. Now, it doesn't have to be a Coke bottle, by the way. It can be any form yeah, of plastic that bottle. That kind of bottle. Yes. Yeah, right. But what you do is you cut the funnel part off. So you cut the third off of the top of the bottle, and that's your little funnel that you invert back inside the main existing part of the bottle. So you that's your take trap. The, take the cap off? Um, you, yes, you've got yeah. to take the cap off because otherwise the fruit fly fuel won't be able to get into the trap. Oh, right. They don't, don't come in through little holes. In the no, oh, Phil. Sorry, no. I'll stay out of it, David. I'm confusing things. <laughs> you have confused because I thought I put that quite plainly then and you've confused everything. <laughs> well, maybe you should start again, David, just to be sure. <laughs> so the ingredients is that we can use then consists of one litre of water, two teaspoons of sugar, two teaspoons of vanilla essence and two teaspoons of cloudy ammonia. I'll just run through that ingredients again. It consists of one litre of water, two teaspoons of sugar, 
two teaspoons of vanilla essence and two teaspoons of cloudy ammonia. Now you give that a good shake up and you only put a small portion of this into your fruit fly trap and that way when you see the fruit flies inside the trap that's the time when you start spraying and you, there's a couple of different things on the market now that you can use for controlling fruit fly. But the other recipe, of course, which is on everyone's lips at the moment, is the pineapple juice recipe, which I give yes. out every year. And I know people have been waiting for this. Remembering with the pineapple juice recipe, this is a really good one to stop the fruit fly from landing on your fruit. You can either use this for your fruit trees or more so your tomatoes. So this consists of only golden circle pineapple juice. Now, it must be the golden circle pineapple juice, and you only generally find this in the can. And yes, it can be the unsweetened or the sweetened one. It really doesn't matter, as I've had questions asked. And it consists of 60% of the pineapple juice to 40% of the water. Uh, so it's 60-40. And what, basically what you do is you spray this onto the fruit and it leaves a very sick, sticky substance and the fruit fly doesn't like landing on this sticky substance. So a good little trick is when it loses its stickiness, you just go over and re-spray <laughs> it again. Now I have heard that, of course, it's the acid in the pineapple juice as well that keeps them away, but I like to oh. think it's the stickiness. They don't like stick. It's, sorry, landing on this sticky substance. Yeah. So. Okay, so there might, you go. Might give that a shot on on. I uh, think it's a great idea. On my newly cultivated tomato, tomato exactly. Yes. Okay. Uh, are we right to go? I am ready now. Yes, okay. Phil. Okay. Um, before I put you through to Kevin at Fullerton Cove, I yes. need to ask him a question um, for Diane on the switchboard. Uh, Kevin, could I get your surname, please? Yes, the name is McGurk. 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 Hello, okay. Kevin. This is David. Hello, David. Thank you for taking the call. Pleasure. I have a problem with my uh, uh, gardenia, Florida Augusta. Yes. They're reasonably vigorous in growth, but the uh, younger leaves are turning a pale yellow. They're not quite yellow, but they're an off-green colour. Mm -hmm. Over the season, I've tried um, blood and bone, sulphate of potash, and uh, complete garden fertiliser. Mm -hmm. Nothing seems to be able to give me that nice, dark green, soft foliage. Okay, well, my little trick there is with the gardenias, because I mentioned earlier I do grow a reasonable amount of gardenias, I always use the organic life. Now, this is the pelleted manure that's got the seaweed, fish emulsion and blood and bone in it. I find this is very, very good for gardenias. Even though it's a poultry manure-based product, it still works for a lot of these acid-loving plants. So basically, all you need to do is just throw some of that on the gardenias and that starts releasing these products down into the soil and I find that keeps it nice and green. Um, on most of the gardenias it does in my garden, except for this one pot, as I mentioned earlier, that's very, very yellow. Uh, so certainly that's the thing that I would recommend. Also to that, I would just recommend just using a product just which is, which is called a potash liquid fertiliser, and this basically is going to help promote the flowers and the new growth. Now, certainly what I would suggest, Kevin, with those younger growths that are curling up and going yellow like that, I would certainly give it a light trim back because you... You, you need to try and force some new growth out. So you'll need to just trim all that young growth off, feed it with some of the organic life, and start it on the liquid fertiliser of potash. Yeah, there is new growth there, and the buds are forming. Mm. Flower buds are starting to become advanced. Right. Uh, so a bit loath to cut those off. Well, yes, I would be as well. So even if you leave the um, plant until the flowers are finished and then give it just a little light haircut, 
back so that you're taking a lot of this old yellow material off the top. Good. All right. Yes, thank you very much. My pleasure, Kevin. Bye-bye now. Yes, bye-bye. Thank you, Kevin. And um, Cynthia from Nelson Bay is on the line now. Cynthia, how are you? Hello, David. I'm well, thank you. I've got a little problem with my rose bush. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually just re- uh, moved, and now most of my favourite plants are in pots. So I've actually had this beautiful rose bush in a pot, and it was doing really well. I had onion weed that was growing with it, which I thought would keep the aphids away, but there was some aphids on it, and I actually sprayed it with a garlic, um, just a house, house garlic, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that would kill the aphids. But the leaves now have gone very limp. Oh, Okay. So I'm wondering if I've done more damage than good. Yeah, well, I mean, this is often the case when, you, when you've sprayed it with something and you can start to see the foliage uh, going under sufferance. Mm. Uh, sometimes the product can be a little bit too strong or else it's been sprayed too much, whereas, you know, you've literally covered the plant in the product, which has just been too much for the plant. I mean, certainly, look, it won't necessarily kill the plant, but it will tend to make the foliage go green and even to the fact where a lot of the foliage may even fall off but it will regrow again so i wouldn't worry too much just probably just dilute some liquid feed down and water that into the pot and that will certainly produce uh, fairly fresh growth for you as well but i'd say that's all it's been just a little bit overdosed uh with the with the product yes i haven't had a lot of roses on it so i'm just wondering is it successful growing roses in pots it is as long as you more or less liquid feed them. And uh, once again, I will mention that fertiliser, which is the potash fertiliser, which is there to produce the flowers. <laughs> and certainly also you can use the pelleted manure fertiliser that I've mentioned, which is the organic life for pots as well, particularly okay. um, for roses and fruit trees and things. It's a really, really good product. Okay, so it's, um, I, I, I actually missed the name of that. So organic potash? Life, Organic, organic life, life, and okay. the, the liquid fertiliser is just simply called potash. Okay, hmm. wonderful. All right. A great help. Thank Thanks, you very Cynthia. much. Thanks, Cynthia. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks, Cynthia. Eleanor from Tea Gardens. Hello. Next on the line. Eleanor. Hello. How are How you? Are you? Good. <laughs> Thank you. What can I do for you? Um, it's my banana trees. Yes. Um, they've produced a flower and now they've got, um, well, they started off with two hands and now I've noticed there's six wow. hands growing off this one flower. Mm-hmm. What Somebody said I had to chop the actual flower off to stop the hands, more and more hands growing on it. Um, well, I haven't heard of um, cutting the flower off because the flower is where the hands actually come from. But I, every day I go out there and there's another hand. There's another hand. Mm. I, I, I don't think I'd worry. I mean, I'd certainly let them produce as much hands as possible. I mean, unless you're wanting to produce bigger bananas, and that's when you take the hands off to just have one particular hand there. And, of course, oh, okay. the, the, the less hands, the bigger the bananas are going to be. All right. Somebody said you take the flower off, but you, you've more... If, yeah, you take the hands off. Yes. You would have to take the hands off because if you took the flower off, You'll, you'll have no hands being produced, so... No, well, they said once you get three or four... Oh, okay, flowers, all right, okay. Yeah, so all right. I didn't know which way round to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, not that we grow bananas often down in this area. Um, oh, I've got three plants, and all three I've got... Fl- well, the second one's just producing a flower, and the other one's got one coming up. 
And have you had bananas offered before? No, no. Oh, okay, this is your first season. That was my next question, was that somebody said once the the mother plant has produced, chop her off and let one of the sucklings come up. That's exactly right, because they don't reproduce on the the, the parent plant. It's only on the young ones that come up. That's why you'll see in the banana fields they have so many plants that they cut down, and that's the simple reason. Once they've produced fruit, they're cut off to make way for all the young ones to come back again. All right. And my other one question was, well, that solved that problem. My other question is my, my um, hybrid uh, lavender has bloomed and flushed and now it's all, they're all lost, losing their flowers. Mm-hmm. Can I prune it right back and will they reflush? Uh, certainly they will, but I wouldn't prune it back heavily. Normally with lavenders, it's a good idea just to get your head shears out and mm-hmm. just give them a light prune back just a little bit further from where the stem, the flower stem has come out, yeah. and then they will reshoot and they will certainly give you another flush. Yeah. And you do that after each flushes, flush of flowers. Okay, excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye, Bye. Eleanor. Thank you, Eleanor. Um, to Charlestown, Leon is on the line. Hello, Leon. Hi, David. We've got a uh, for a 20-foot, 22-foot red cedar down the backyard. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, when the uh, new foliage come on uh, during the spring, start of spring, the um, foliage started to fall off all over the place. Pieces about oh, 30 centimetres, 40 centimetres long. I picked up one of the bigger branches that thickens my little finger and it had a borer's hole right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Would that account for the um, foliage dropping off? Yes, it certainly would because basically when you've got borers in trees, it makes the tree extremely weak because they're actually taking all the energy out of the tree and this is why you'll often get limbs that fall. Now, when you've got a borer problem and you've got a tree that size, it's not easy to control. You certainly would be best if you got an arborist in to have a look at it and they're people that are especially there to actually help you out as far as large trees grow, go and give you a solution for that problem. Yeah, I think you gave me a solution oh, okay. once before right. for Nick, Nick like gum. I had that uh, grub that got in between mm-hmm. the layers of the leaves. Oh, yes. Uh, I couldn't kill them, and you told me to uh, bore a hole into the trunk and pull a roger in. And okay. That killed it, and the tree grew into a magnificent tree yes. about 50 foot high. Right. Well, certainly if you know of that treatment, you can still do that for borers. But unfortunately, when you have a problem with borers and you start to use the injection method, it takes several months for that chemical to actually work through the tree. So it's a very, very slow process. Aye. Another little problem, we've got a happy wandering up the front yard that just finished flowering, and the leaves look as though they're dying on it. Uh, it's just finished flowering, had a magnificent display. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I just notice it's got brown leaves all over it. Okay. Well, it can be just trimmed back very, very lightly because once you've trimmed it back, it will shoot out nicely for you because by trimming it back, you're cutting off all the old flower spikes as well. I see. Just feed it up with a native fertiliser or some blood and bone and it should go back into growth for you again. I thought it's... About three years old, and I thought it might have been the lifespan of a no, happy one. not at all. If you just trim them back lightly, they should regrow for you every season. Oh, that's good. All right. Thanks, David. My pleasure, Leon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Yes, thank you, Leon. To uh, Taro next, we say hello to Ray. Hello, Ray. Oh, hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. I have um, five citrus trees. Mm-hmm. And I've just noticed recently they've got the a orangey colour beetle yes. all over them. Yes. They, the beetles smell something terrible. Mm-hmm. 
What can I do about that? Okay, well, the, the two products that you need to get rid of those are Confidor. Confidor. Or Conquer is the other new one. Conquer. Yes. Now, Conquer right. being probably the better one because it's a little bit more reasonably priced. So right. that's the one to look out for. And what do I do? Just spray it? You just mix that according to directions and then you right. just spray that over your citrus tree and that will certainly get rid of them. And then probably just uh, every periodically, Ray, just to spray your trees to prevent from those from coming back. Oh, right. Yeah, I had the last, last year I had a black, a black beetle, but yes. it's on the orange. Well, no, the orange are the young ones and then they oh, eventually right. turn black, which is the adult uh, oh, stink right. bug. Mm. Yeah, I just try to brush a few of them off the other day and they smell something terrible. Yes, and that smell lasts for quite a long time if you get it on to yourself. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for sure. Okay, David. All right. And what was the product again, the best one? The product is Conquer. Conquer. Or Confidor. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, Have Ray. Have a good day. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thanks, Ray. Every time you mention Conquer, David, I think back to my childhood in England where we used to play a game called Conquers this oh, time okay. of the year. You get, um, I think, um, the nut off the chestnut tree, chestnuts, yes. basically, and uh, put it on a piece of um, uh, string. Yes. And each kid takes a go at whacking the other kid's conquer to see oh. if he can smash it. Okay. And if you soak them in vinegar, apparently it made them really tough. Oh. Occasionally you got wrapped <laughs> over the knuckles with another kid's conquer. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, Happy days, happy days. I don't think we'd play those sorts of games now, Phil. No, no, um, it'd be all kinds of That's right. safety issues yes. and things. <laughs> okay, uh, Jenny from Georgetown is next. Hello, Jenny. Hello, David. Thank you for taking my call. I, just, I thought I might be able to squeeze in. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's another lavender one, yes. please. Um, the lavender, I call it uh, the butterfly lavender, but the one with the little petals. With the wings on the top. Yeah, they're really lovely, aren't they? They are absolutely gorgeous. And I've got a cutting given to me, and it's, it's growing wonderfully. I've had it for a couple of years now. What I wanted to know was, uh, do they actually uh, reflower again, or do they only have the one flowering? No, they re- they reflower again. They do. Uh, yes, certainly. Oh, right. Once so again, yes. One. come up again. Yes, if you do, once they're finished, their flush of flowers. Just get your shears out, give them a little bit of a haircut, and that way, just feed them up with a good, complete plant food, and they will certainly reshoot back for you and re- give you another flush of flowers in the summertime. Oh, wonderful! Because they're so pretty. Yeah, they are. They're beautiful. They are the most mm. the gorgeous things I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that because there are beautiful roses. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I won't hold you up on anything. That's fine. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Bye-bye Bye. now. Thanks, Jenny. Last caller for today, David. It's, uh, <clears throat> let me see on the screen here, Linda from Markwell. Hello, Which Linda. is near Bulletin. Oh, how are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, just a short question on um, carrots. Yes. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about growing them in pots. Yes. Um, how, if I had a pot about um, 16 inches, Square. Mm-hmm. Um, how many could I grow? I've got some um, vegetable potting mix. Right? Yes, yes. Look, certainly you could t- put at least sow half a packet of seed into a pot that size because the thing is, well, if they can come up nice and thick and when you start thinning them out, that leaves more room for the others to start expanding. So certainly you can plant them nice and thick because even in the ground they're planted very thickly and then when you start to thin them, which is you taking carrots out of the line, that just leaves more room for the other carrots to then expand. So, yeah, in a 16-inch pot you'll certainly get a half a packet of um, carrot seeds quite mm-hmm. nicely in there. So with the thinning, you, 
you need to thin. You do need to thin, yes. You so, d- I mean, um, if if you planted them more sparsely, well, you, you don't necessarily get them as... You, you might get weak ones? Or? Well, no, not necessarily. It's just that by thinning them, you're creating more room. But if you plant them, I mean, look, I must say that's going to be a very tedious job because they are extremely fine seeds. Yes. So that's why they're just sprinkled in, in a line or whatever. In your case, you could put them uh, all over the top of the pot and then just yes. cover them extremely lightly just with another little bit of layer of soil. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Okay. Okay. okay, bye-bye. Bye for now. Thank you very much, Linda. Well, David, um, lots of callers there on today's program and a big job for you to choose somebody to be the recipient of this little pile of goodies that you've you've got here. Uh, just before we go to that, I just wanted to mention that um, uh, my sister, who's sort of doing a slow crawl through Europe and oh, okay. the UK at the moment, uh, went to Sissinghurst yesterday. Oh, and, I've heard uh, lots about that. Uh, apparently, it was the last day of the season because, you know, obviously mm-hmm. over there winter starts tomorrow. Yes. Um, and the photos she sent back were absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. And I was just going to say that, you know, we think of going to places like Sissinghurst maybe in spring and summer, but um, it just looks like autumn was, oh, was okay. just as wonderful right. over there. Maybe not quite as wonderful as where everything's in flower, yes. but if you were in the UK in autumn, I wouldn't. that wouldn't put you off going mm. to some well, of those that's, wonderful that's gardens. That's great, yes. Yeah, just thought I'd mention that. No, that's um, great. Speaking of wonderful gardens, uh, run through what you're giving away today. All right, then. It consists of this beautiful, um, simply beautiful, it's called, belongs to the collection of the beaners, and this one is the dark purple. So this is the one with the vibrant purple flowers. Great ground cover for a good sunny spot in the garden. Must be sown. Doesn't like shade because you won't get near as many flowers as we can see on this plant here. So it's just called verbena, and it uh, is the dark purple. As well as that, I've got a bag of the fruit and flower fertiliser, as well as uh, a complete a, sorry, a soluble plant food for your tomatoes as well as other sachets in that bag as well and I thought I might give it to Marilyn of Madawi today now she rang us about the apple tree curl and also the carrots that she was um, thinking of planting which um, yes. uh, I think was a granddaughters I think were, or grandchildren were mm, pulling the, up yes. there was a child yes, involved yes. anyway there, and she was anxious for your fruit fly recipe that's right yes. yes so Marilyn all you really need to do is hopefully make your way down to Walls End Community Nursery that's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road Walls End one condition is try and get in before next Monday's program because I will have a brand new gift to bring in next Monday so we'll look forward to uh, seeing you then, David. I hope so, Phil. So I'll see you then. And good gardening, everyone.